Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, go to James chapter 4. And we're going to begin reading there. While you're turning there, let me share a little story with you. There was this guy who was watching a football game on a Saturday afternoon. Some of you may can identify with that. And uh, he, you know, he's sitting on his lazy boy with his remote control in his hand, so you know he was a, a man in control. And so as he was watching the game, the phone rang. And he had one of those, uh, those landline phones with the cord in it, with it. And so he gets up to go answer the phone, but he had his remote control with him. And so he figured that, you know, while he was on the phone, because he still was interested in the game and he didn't want to, you know, miss out on any big plays. So he figured that maybe he can turn up the volume and he can have listened to the game while on the phone. Now, some of you men know what I'm talking about, because when you're watching a ball game and your wife comes in to talk with you, you're only half listening to what she's saying. All right, I won't touch that anymore. And so he wanted to hear the game while on the phone, so he takes the remote control because where he was, he couldn't see the TV. So he points the, the remote control in the direction of the television to turn up the volume, but nothing was happening. And the reason for that was because he was too far. And so, I mean, it's not that the remote control doesn't work. And it wasn't that the television doesn't work. It's just that he was too far. And that's the problem with many Christians today. We say that God doesn't work. But the reality is, the the real issue is that they're far from God. As a matter of fact, Jesus made a statement uh, concerning the Pharisees where he says that they worship me and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And so it's a tragedy where there are people today that cannot be acquainted with a creator who created all things. And it's even more tragic when you have Christians who undervalue and take for granted the greatest privilege made available to all mankind, and that's getting closer to God. And that's the title of my message tonight, is Getting Closer to God. So if you have your Bibles, in Romans chapter 4, in verse 8, says this. In just the first part of that verse, it says, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. The Amplified Version says it like this, Come close to God, and He will come close to you. Now, that begs us to question how close we really are to God. Now, I can answer that question for you. You are as close to God as you want to be. Let me just say it like this. God wants to get as close to you as you want to get close to him. That's why James says, draw closer to him and he will draw closer to you. So what does James mean when he says draw closer to God? Well, the word draw nigh or draw near means to come near, which is the idea to approach somebody or approaching someone. 
the, as a matter of fact, the fact that James would say that in his letter implies that the Christians that he was writing the letter to was not as close to God as they should be. But it means to get near or get so close or get right up next to God as close as possible. As a matter of fact, almost like clinging to God. You know, it reminds me of when my daughter brings my grandson Izzy to the house uh, to visit. Most of the time when he comes in, he's cheerful and, you know, he'll either go to me or he'll go to, to my wife. Uh, and most time he'll go to this special drawer that we have where he knows we keep all his toys. But there are times when he'll come to the house and maybe because he's tired and he just woke up from a long trip from Pawtucket to New Bedford. Or maybe he's not feeling good. And so when he comes to the, to the door with his mother, he's, he's being held by the mother because he's clinging to her. And when she lets him down just to take off her coat, you know, and, you know he's, he goes like this, eh, 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 you know, because he wants to be picked up. Don't laugh because I know some of you do the same thing. <laughs> and so it, because he wants it, so, his, you know, his mother takes off his coat and then she finally picks him up and then he sits down. And when she sits down, you know, he's, he's on his lap and, she's, and he's holding her, clinging to her. And of course, after a while, he gets over that and then he's back to his old self again. That's what God means about drawing near, clinging to God, getting as close as possible that you can get. Now, some of you may wonder, can we actually get close and intimate with God, with a creator of heaven and earth? Yes, we can. As a matter of fact, God desires that. We'll talk about that a little later. But go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. We need to be clingy to God. Deuteronomy 30, in verse 19, says this. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Now, this is what I want you to see in verse 20. That you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and what? That you may cling to him, for he is your life and your length of your days. The word cling means to follow close or to follow hard after someone. It means to, to be joined together or to hold on tightly. That's what Izzy does when he comes in and he's whining and, he, and he's clinging to his mother. He holds on tight. And no matter what my wife and I do to try to draw his attention, he'll hold on even tighter to his mom. That's what James means about drawing near to God. Amen. Now go back to James chapter 4. Because when you think about it, James says, draw an eye unto God and he will draw an eye unto you. Think about this. When you take one step closer to God, you're actually getting two steps closer to him. Because he says, and he will draw closer to you. Amen. Now this is a promise that God had made. Now here's two things that I want you to see in this verse. There's a precept and there's a promise. The precept is that you are to draw near to God. The promise is that he will draw near to you. And that's a wonderful promise. God wants us to be intimate and close and personal with him. Now, there's a difference between relationship and intimacy. Relationship is the foundation Intimacy is the very core of that relationship or that foundation. 
when we talk about intimacy, it means to have a close, private, personal, and deep level of relationship. It means having an extended, detailed knowledge and understanding of one another. Now, my wife and I, we have this close, deep, personal level of relationship that we don't share with anyone else. We also have a very extensive, detailed knowledge of each other. She knows more about me than all of you. As I also know more about her than all of you. She knows all of my weaknesses and all of my strengths and all of my idiosyncrasies. We share a relationship that we don't share with anyone else. That's what it means to be intimate. And God is calling us to have an intimate relationship with him. It's almost as if in Psalm 103 and verse 7, when God said this, he says that the children of, people, of Israel knows the works of God. But only Moses knows his ways. That's the kind of relationship we're talking about. Go to, dude, go to Exodus chapter 33 and let's look at this relationship that Moses had with God. Exodus chapter 33. How close and personal was Moses? Now, <clears throat> Moses, what he would do is that every once in a while he'll pitch a tent outside of the camp. He, called, he calls it the, the tent of meetings or the tabernacle of meetings. There is where he meets all of the people to either discuss issues or, or to speak spiritual things or provide spiritual guidance or teach the law. But it's also a place where he meets with God. Now, this is not the tabernacle with the Ark of the Covenant because at that time it wasn't built yet. But this was called the tent of meeting that he would take and pitch outside the camp and there he would meet with God. And we pick up in verse 8. And so it says, So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle or that tent that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. Verse 9. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. Verse 10. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. This is what I want you to see in verse 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. So Moses and God would get together on occasions and speak as though they were good buddies face to face. Moses had a very special relationship. Go to James chapter 2. Abraham also shared a very special relationship with God. James chapter 2 and verse 30, 23. And it says, And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Second Chronicles 20, verse 7, you don't need to turn there, but God calls Abraham a friend forever. Wouldn't you like to be called a friend forever by the Almighty God? Amen. 
Jesus also had a special relationship. Go to John chapter 5. John chapter 5 and verse 19 says this. So Jesus answered them by saying, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, the son is able to do nothing of himself of his own accord, but he is able to do only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does is what the son does in the same way in his turn. Now, this picture reminds me of something, and I don't know if I saw it in a commercial or something, but it was where a father was sitting at the table. And I think he was eating breakfast or reading a newspaper. And his son was sitting right across from him. And whenever the father would raise up his newspaper, the son would take a newspaper and put it up. And when the father puts the newspaper down, the son puts the newspaper down. When the father scratches the side of his head, the son scratches the side of his head. When the father reaches and stretches, guess what? The son does the same thing. That's because the son wants to be like the father. And so everything the father does, he does. And see, and this is what Jesus is saying. Whatever the Father does, this is what I do because I have a relationship with God. Look in verse 20. The Father dearly loves the Son and discloses or shows him everything that he himself does. And he will disclose to him, let him see greater things yet than these. So that you may marvel and be full of wonder and astonishment. God has such a, uh, Jesus had a such close personal relationship with God that God would show him everything. Like a father would teach his son everything. So Jesus had a personal and intimate relationship with God. But you know what, here's the wonderful thing. When Moses would stand at the tabernacle And the pillar of cloud, which represents the presence of God, would speak to God. I mean, speak to Moses face to face like two friends. Notice that everybody else was in their own tent in the camp, standing at the door or in front of their tent. They couldn't share in that same relationship that Moses had. But here's the wonderful thing. Because even though that kind of relationship was out of reach of God's people, It is not out of reach for us today. We can share in that same and intimate relationship with God as Moses had, but even more so. Go back to James chapter 4. The people of Israel knew God's works, but only Moses knew his ways. James chapter 4, once again. You know, it takes intimacy to know the ways of God. And as Christians, this is what we want to experience every day of our lives. James chapter 4 and verse 8, once again. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now, the question I have is this. Why do I have to be the first to draw near to God? Why can't God just draw near to me first and then I will draw near to him? Why do I have to be the one to initiate the process? Well, the answer to that is in the story about this old farmer and his wife who was driving to town in their pickup truck. And so as they were driving to town, the, the, the old farmer was sitting behind the steering wheel in silence and his wife was sitting up front with him, but towards uh, the, the, the door on the passenger side. And several miles have gone by while they were in complete silence. And all of a sudden, the wife breaks the silence and says this to him, Jed. 
When we first got married, we never sat this far apart. And the old farmer responds like this. I ain't the one that moved. (laughs) See, the point here is this. God has always been nearby. We're the ones that have moved away. We're the ones that scooted. It could be that possibly maybe some of you have drifted further away from God like the farmer's wife sitting further away from him. And then you wonder what's going on in your life. It has nothing to do with God, but it has everything to do with you or with us. Amen? Amen? Have you ever felt so distant and disconnected with God through the process of time? Have you ever felt so disconnected from God? Well, possibly it's because you drifted further away from him. So why don't you just scoot over and just sit with him? Right? It's that simple. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Just to show you that God's always been nearby. He hasn't moved. He hasn't gone on vacation. He's not taking a siesta. He's always there. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 7. Listen to this. For what great nation has a God as near to them as the Lord our God is near to us whenever we call on him? This is a very powerful scripture because the scripture tells us that the, uh, the advantage that God's people had, knowing that they had, I mean, they were the envy of all other nations because no other nation had a God that was always near always ready to hear and to help in their time of need. There was no other God except the God of Israel. So the people of Israel had this advantage over all the other nations in the world. But what I want you to see is this. In Psalm 34 and verse 17, it says this, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears. Now, sometimes when my wife wants to, she might be in one room and I'd be in the other room, right next to it. And sometimes she'll ask me a question from the other room. Now, I can't hear her. So I say, honey, what did you say? And then she'll ask again, but with a louder voice. Now, I can hear her, but not quite clear and not getting everything. I said, honey, I still can't hear you. So either I get up and go to the room where she is, or she'll get up and go to the room where I am. And then she'll repeat the question, and then I'm able to hear Why? Because she's now near me, where now I can hear her clearly. When the Bible says that the righteous cry out, God had to be near in order to hear our cries. He has to be nearby. It says that the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. God is always there, ready to pounce, ready to help, ready to listen to our cries. We're the ones that have moved away. We're the ones that have drawn away because we've been drawn away by the things that we love, the things that we put our attention to, the things that we focus on, the things that that we consider a priority. All of those things have drawn us away from God. Know that other things will block our ability to get close to God. And we cannot allow that to happen. Listen, You cannot avoid the influences of this world. You cannot overcome the struggles of your life. You're not going to be able to resist the devil or beat the devil in his own game if you're trying to maintain a long-distance relationship with God. 
You know, it's very difficult to be able to maintain a relationship when you're being a part-time Christian. It's very difficult to maintain a relationship when you're only being a Sunday morning only saint. God desires more than just that. We talk about a part-time Christian. A part-time Christian is like a double-minded person that James talks about. A double-minded person is someone who, who tries to follow God some other times and then try to follow the world other times. A person like that cannot draw near to God. When you draw near to God, you've got to draw near to him wholeheartedly and completely. We'll talk more about that later. But this kind of person, according to James, is unstable in all his ways. Why would God want to spend time with someone who is unstable, who's flaky, and maybe here one day and then gone the next? That's not the kind of relationship God wants. That's why we have so many marriage relationships breaking up. Because we have couples who are not completely committed to developing a relationship. You can't get married and still have your mind in your old single life. Once you're married, your single life is over. It's either you're either in it for the whole haul or not. God's desire is to be close to us and understand that God is the one who initiated everything. How many of you married folks are here today? Raise your hands. To all of you married folks, God wants to be closer to you than you are to your spouse. How many single people we have here tonight? Raise your hands. All you single people, God wants to be closer to you than you are to your best friends. God wants to be closer to all the children in teens more than they are closer to their parents, their best friend, or their Xbox. God wants to be closer. And so this is what God desires. A strong, close, personal, and a high-level relationship with us. Go back to James chapter 4. God promised to draw near to us. In other words, his promise is to reciprocate in response to our actions. Now, the Bible talks about the law of reciprocation. What is that? Well, let me give you an example. If you do me a favor, I'm going to do you a favor right back. Okay, that's the law of reciprocation. It's a biblical principle that you'll find throughout the Bible. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, Jesus says, give and it shall what? Be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. In that same verse, it said, For the measure you meet, it shall be measured back to you. So you find that throughout the Bible. Let me give you another example. In 1 Samuel 2.30, God says, Them that honor me, I will honor. Malachi 3.7 says, Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. Here's another one by Jesus. Forgive, and that shall be forgiven you. That's the law of reciprocation. When we draw near to God, God will respond in turn and draw closer to us. Go to Jeremiah chapter 30. 
understand that God is the one who initiated all of this. He's the one that provided the way for us to be able to come close, enjoy a personal, intimate relationship with him. He's done everything that is necessary for us to be able to have and enjoy that kind of relationship. In Jeremiah, in the Old Testament, the only way that people were able to get close to God it was through the priest and through the sacrificial system. In Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 21, it says this, And their prince will be one of them, and their ruler will come from the midst of them. Listen to this. I will cause him to draw near, and he will approach me, for who is he who would have the boldness and would dare on his own initiative to approach me. In other words, no man can enter into the Holy of Holies beyond the veil, unannounced and uninvited. No one would dare have that boldness to come into the presence of God. The only way to do that is to the priest and to the sacrificial system. That's the way it was then. But God was willing to love us. And here's the thing. Even though God could not get close to them and they cannot get close to God because of their sins, God still loved them. He loved them from a distance. He loved them from behind the veil. But it was only for a season because when the time was right, when Jesus came, he tore the veil in half and made a way possible for us to be able to enter in beyond the veil and have that intimate relationship with God. Think about that. Think about the privilege that we have to have that personal relationship with God. I'm talking about getting into a whole different level of relationship. There are Christians who have just a superficial relationship with God. That's not enough. That's not what he's asking for. There are Christians who have flighty relationships where they're here one day and they're gone the next. That's not the kind of relationship that God is looking for. He's looking for a relationship like my son, my grandson, who clings to his mother. That every time she takes two steps, he's two steps right there with her, clinging on to her leg because he doesn't want to let her go. We need to have that kind of relationship with God. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. 2 and verse 13, it says this, But now, Christ, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. It was the shedding of his blood that made it possible for us to approach God, where before we could not approach him. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. You put up Hebrews 10, verse 19 says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness, now we said we can have that boldness and that confidence to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. The next verse. By a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Next verse. And having a high priest over the house of God. Verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with the pure water. God through Christ. Open up a way that is never changing and never ending. Easy access to come to God. With confidence. Without any guilt or condemnation. Because of all the things that Christ has done through his blood. And I'm telling you friends. If you do not take advantage of that. You're going to miss out on a great relationship with God. You're going to miss out on the benefits that come with having that personal relationship with the Lord. God gave the best that he had, his son, 
just so he can have us. I mean, that, if that's not love, I don't know what is. Now, what are the benefits of being close to God? There is power in intimacy. There is power when we're close to God. Understand that God did all the work, but he gave us all the benefits resulting from that work. Ephesians 1 and verse 3 says that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places. I don't have the time to talk to you about all the benefits that come with having a personal and up-close relationship with God. But let me share this with you. There was a brother who was talking on a cordless phone. And while he was on the phone, he was listening, he was hearing these clicking sounds. And so, you know, and, you know, it was going on for a little while. And then finally he heard one final click and then it went dead. The power was out. The phone lost power. Why did the phone lose power? Because the phone spent too much time away from the power base. How many of you carry a cell phone? And then it's like right on one and you see the little red thing and you can't find your charger. And next thing you know, your phone goes dead. And so you go scrambling around looking for a power source so you can power up your phone. Well, you know, this brother, you know what he did? Having lost power, he took the phone, he walked it over to the power base, let it hang there for a little while, and then come on back. And when he got it back, he looked at his phone and he had power. He was able to hear. So many of us as Christians have our lives clicking and nothing happening. Why? Because we drifted away from the power source. We've disconnected ourselves. And here's the thing. You cannot live life without the power of God. It takes his power to overcome the circumstances of life. And if we're not, if we're not connected with him, we're not going to be able to overcome anything that comes our way. But we're going to constantly be giving into temptation, being overcome by the circumstances of life, causing us to drift away, causing us to lose our faith. Why? Because we've drifted away from the power source. It was because this brother brought the phone to where the power was. When he connected it, he was able to have power and he was able to use it and be effective. The further away from God we drift away from, the powerless we become. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. How many of you know that as believers we're going to face life situation? It's not something we can escape. It's not something we can avoid. But when we're connected with the power, we're able to, we're able to overcome those things. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this, For his divine power has bestowed upon us all things that are requisite and suited to life and godliness through the full personal and knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Living an empowered life means that God has given us the power to handle everyday circumstances and still be able to live a godly life. And Paul knew something about adversity because he said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
So even though he had faced adversity, he was connected, closely connected to the power source because he knew he can overcome all that he had faced. So with his power, you can face any obstacle and become victorious because of the connection that you have. One of the other benefits also that, uh, that, that comes with being close to God is, and you've probably heard this story before when I've shared about the bully and the boy and how the boy, every time he goes to school, the, boy, the bully's always there and beating him up. And one day, the, one of his friends says, why don't you just find another way? And then you can avoid getting beat up. So the boy says, all right. So he took another way to go to school. But somehow the bully found out, found him, and beat him up. Another friend says, well, you know what? Why don't you just carry a stick? At least you can defend yourself. And the boy said, okay. And so he goes to school and sees the bully. And instead of beating the bully with the stick, the bully ended up taking the stick away from him and beating him up with it. So nothing this boy did didn't work and could not get rid of this bully. So one day he decided to go to school and this bully comes jumping in his face once again. And as, a, as the bully was about to pounce on him, all of a sudden this boy was not afraid. All of a sudden he had this boldness and he just looked up and he squared him up and said, let's, let's go, let's get it on. I'll take you on right now. Now the bully was shocked having seen this boy and for the first time with boldness and confidence, he almost admired him. But he was going to beat him up anyway. And so as the bully began to clench his fist, all of a sudden the boy's father jumps out of the bush and stands in front of that bully. Now this father was 6'10 and 275 pounds. Very imposing and very intimidating. Well, I can tell you that that bully never bothered that boy again. The moral of the story is this. Stay close to your father. Because when you're close to your father, that bully called the devil cannot mess with you anymore. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. But if your father is staying home because you don't want to be close to him, then don't be surprised if the devil beats you up and mess with you every day and wear you down day in and day out. You've got to stay close to the father. If you expect to beat the devil and keep him from messing with you, you just got to stay connected with the Lord. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1. Protection is one of the other benefits that God provides. In 1 Peter 1 and verse 5 it says, Who being guarded or garrisoned by God's power through your faith, Till you fully inherit that final salvation that is ready to be revealed for you in this last day or in the last time. In other words, God will provide protection and to, to, in order to preserve you and keep you from getting beat up by life circumstances and getting beat up by the devil. The Bible says he will put a garrison. In other words, he'll put soldiers, it's almost like having soldiers surrounding you and guarding you. So wherever you go, they're there protecting you. God provides that protection. That's one of the benefits of having a close and intimate relationship with God. 2 Timothy 4, go there real quick. 2 Timothy 4, verse 17. uh, Paul says this, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. So that through me, the gospel message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. 
So I was delivered out of the jaws of the lion. Verse 18. And indeed the Lord will certainly deliver and and draw me to himself from every assault of evil. And he will preserve and bring me safe unto his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. God promises to guard and protect us from every evil work that is formed against us to trip us up, to cause us to lose our faith, to get us off course. But by the protection that God provides, because we're so close and intimate and personal with him, because we're clinging to him, we have that protection. Go to Luke chapter 15. Jesus talks about wandering sheep and how sheep tend to go astray. Well, you know, Christians are like sheep. We tend to wander off also and go astray. And sometimes Christians will wander off far away from the sheepfold, far away from the shepherd, and and, and finding themselves alone and in trouble. How many know what I'm talking about? Well, we see this example with the prodigal son. One of the other benefits that God provides is provision. And, of course, a very well-known story and you know the story where the prodigal son goes to his father and asks for his inheritance and the father gives it to him and we pick up in verse 13 where it says this and not many days after the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living or reckless and loose living and so what do you suppose happened to this prodigal son having Gone far away from his home, far away from his father. Well, in verse 14 says this. And about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. So the son, having distanced himself from his father and from his home, faced famine, homelessness, starvation and hunger and poverty. When he could have stayed at home and enjoyed all the resources That was available to him. But instead he walked and drifted further away. In order to fulfill his own selfish desires. But drifting far away from all the resources. The security. The protection. And all the provisions that he could have had. And could have enjoyed. Had he stayed at home with the father. I'm talking about getting close to the father. That was his biggest issue. Everything that he needed was already there. But he found himself having nothing. No provisions, no protection. Out in the elements, homeless. And look what it, I mean, it even got worse. In verse 15, he says, He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And in verse 16, And the young man became so hungry that even the paws he was feeding the pigs with looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. He had no provisions. He was unprotected. He had no security. And whatever resources he needed was not available. Why? Because he was far away from his father. Far away from the protection. Far away from the provisions. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Being close to God 
can also bring change and transformation. It's one of the other benefits. Second Corinthians, it's interesting. Someone made a statement, and it goes like this. He said, we become like we, what we behold. In other words, to worship an idol is to become like the idol. To worship Christ is to become like Christ. So what we, what we love to behold is what we worship. So that's why we have to be careful what we're beholding. He goes on to say that what we spend our time beholding will shape our hearts and minds, molding us into the person that we are. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says this, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. There's a story about a, a pastor who was sharing uh, the story with his congregation about a woman who used to come to his church. She was a member of the church, and she had this weight problem. And she tried every diet known to man, but her weight continued to fluctuate up and down. So months have gone by, and the pastor noticed that he hadn't seen her in a while. So one Sunday, at the end of service, he saw her, and he was shocked by what he saw. Because, as a matter of fact, he barely recognized her because she lost all that weight that she worked so hard and so long to lose. Do you know what the solution was? Do you know how she lost all that weight? She met a man and fell in love. Love can do some strange things, huh? And so she, and, and she began to tell the pastor how she met this man and, and how, you know, she believed that this was the man that God had sent her and, and that she was going to marry him and she wanted to look good in a wedding dress. So that was all the motivation in the world for her to lose weight because she wanted to look good for her husband and for the wedding day. It's amazing what love will do. But she was able to conquer what took her so long to overcome because of a relationship. When you have a relationship with God and spend time beholding Him, your life becomes transformed and you become more and more like God. And that's what the Bible wants and that's what the Bible teaches. That's what God desires for, for us to become more and more like Christ. As we read in 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, Beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory because of the relationship that we have with God. The, whole, the, the entire Bible talks about men and women who had a close and personal relationship with God and was transformed by that relationship. Abraham was one. He was transformed because of the relationship that he had with God, that God would call him a friend forever. And he became a father of many nations. Moses, life was also transformed. And he became a deliverer and a great leader for God. And God was able, and he was able to meet God face to face and talk to him as though he was his friend. Paul's life was also dramatically changed because of the, the, the dramatic experience that he had with God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that Paul counted all, everything but dung and everything as garbage just so that he can know personally the Lord Jesus Christ 
Greater closeness to God produces in you a greater likeness of him. And if you really want to know God personally, intimately, up close, then we need to start getting serious about doing what we need to do to make that relationship happen. Understand that God considered it serious because he paid a price and that was his son. He saw that having a relationship with us was much serious that he was willing to make that sacrifice. So I encourage you tonight, take the time and get serious and seek for that personal and intimate relationship with God. Because God spent several thousand years since Adam and Eve sinned to reestablish a relationship with his people. And he, and he finally did that through his son. We have that ability. We, we have that available to us. So now it's up to us to what? Draw near to God so he can draw near to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you, Father God, for your words. Father, we thank you, Lord, as we hear your words, Lord God, being taught, Lord, that we will receive it. Take it seriously, Lord, and apply it in our lives. Father, we want nothing more than to seek a personal and intimate relationship with you. And Father, we thank you and we ask that you help us to get to that place. That every day, a day will not go by, Lord God, without first seeking your face. And having that close and personal relationship with you. Father, increase our level of relationship with you, Lord. Let us get to another level. Bring us to that place, Lord God. Bring us to that secret place. That we may come to know you more. And Lord, we thank you, Father God, tonight. We bless you and we praise you, Father God, for your word in our hearts. And we thank you that even as we leave, Lord God, that the words will still be alive in us. Ministering to us, speaking to us. And renewing and changing our thinking. And Lord, for this I thank you. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you that you're watching your word to perform it. And I thank you that your word will not come back to you void, but it will accomplish what you please and it will prosper wherever you send it. And Lord, for this I thank you and give you honor and glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At this time, I want all.